don't know what that was. It was kind of sad. You sound like you've been rejected. Hi. What's how does Eeyore's voice go? How does he do it? Uh, you're not, you're not gonna try. Eeyore. I tried. That was bad. That was. That was a try. <laughs> I don't know. I couldn't think of anything he <laughs> would say. Good? Is where I I I failed. No one cares about me anyway. Be like, yeah. Be like, you know. Well, that's how it always goes. I can't do his Ain't actual voice. It's too deep, but it's just. <laughs> it's just sad and droopy. I don't think I've ever heard Eeyore say "ain't," but yeah. Ain't that just the way? That's from Over the Garden Wall. I know. Yeah, that's from Over the Garden I know, Wall. I'm mixing. I say it a lot, like it's an actual like spoonerism that people say, but no. Nope, do it's people not. say it normally, or is it literally just from Over the Garden Wall? Because that's the only time I've ever heard it. Type, 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 type. Isn't that just type, the type. way? Greg is suggested after that, so it doesn't give me a lot of hope. <laughs> not a lot to work with. <laughs> Apparently, there's a song called "Ain't That Just the Way" by Latricia oh, okay. McNeil. It looks okay. very '90s. Mm -hmm. Um. I, I I have something I want to talk about. Uh-huh. Why did they name a movie Letter 2 Fast, Letter 2 Furious? Why did they name Hey, did you know that was a real thing that they named that they named a movie in 2003 cuz I thought that was a joke that people made when they talked about the Fast and Furious franchise. I thought they were kidding. I want you to know that I'm googling right now because I have seen exactly one Fast and Furious movie. When I say I have seen, I mean I went to like my like high school boyfriend's friend's house for some party and mm. because it was a bunch of like 15 year old boys they thought that fast and the furious was like the height of cinema and apparently they watched mm -hmm. the same movie every time they hung out why i like, they didn't change it around they watched it was like fast and furious 3 i don't know it wasn't even like it was one of the sequels because there's many mm -hmm. <laughs> that group was a mystery to me and remains to be to this day was that um the the boyfriend that stole a stoplight? Not a stoplight, sorry, a stop sign? No, different. <laughs> oh, okay. Not related. Oops. No. Got the mixed up in my head. A cast of characters. A cast of characters. Sure is. I just wanna know I just I just wanted to talk about how two thousand and three of them it was to name a movie Too Fast, Too Furious. And also, I've only ever seen like the seventh or eighth or whatever fast and furious movie and it was for my friend's birthday party she was like we're going to see this movie because she like loves the franchise for some reason and i was like cool guess we'll go see it just so you know i don't know anything about it and she said you don't need to know anything about it and i said then why are there seven movies if none of them matter if none of them matter what's the point that is my favorite type of franchise is one where there is zero continuity and or the plot is so simple that you legitimately do not have to have seen any of the other movies to get any one movie. It's like, what are we like? What are we doing? You know, there's not a lot of stuff out there like that. I think the other things that are like that are like serial children's novels. Like you can pick up any Nancy Drew and it'll be fine. Mm, I've never you read know? Nancy Drew. You never read like any serial mystery novel as a kid? Nope. I read Dang. Magic Treehouse. Don't think that that counts as a serial serial mystery I novel, think, though. Not a mystery, but it's like there's a lot of those, and it's the same concept of you don't have to read them in order, right? Yeah, I don't think there was a continuous plot. I think it was just like where will they go this time? But the adult equivalent, like the only things that exist in adult media that are like that, are like Fast and the Furious, the Bourne movies. I think I don't know. Some action dudes might come at me about that, but like. I've seen some of the movies. It's just a bunch of like dudes fighting. Like you don't really have to know what's going on. 
James Bond. Like, it's stuff like that. Like, that's the only adult equivalent I can think of. I think I saw a Bourne movie when... I don't even know the dude's full name, so maybe it wasn't him. Maybe it was someone. It was one of those action-y. It, it was one of the that kind of where it's like, you don't really need to know about the other movies. And I went and saw it for a first date with not my current boyfriend, but my last one. And it was not fun. The movie wasn't good, is what I'm getting at. That's the extent of it. I think about that a lot. It's the you only action movie I think from... I've ever seen, other than the Fast and Furious watched... movie like avengers movies and stuff i mean i'm sure you've seen other action i guess yeah i guess i guess like marvel whatever but i i guess i in my brain i those are different because they're like superheroes and so there's like a reason they can do weird cool stunts it's because they're superheroes but like action movies part of it is that just they can you know what i mean like we just do flips now because we want to and not like i have magic powers but yeah i i have seen some of the marvel movies but other than that yeah, if you can't tell by the fact that we have a book podcast, we're not, like, ultra into that kind of thing. Not that those things are mutually <laughs> exclusive, but they don't often but overlap. <laughs> they tend to overlap. They don't tend to overlap. So, so anyway. Oh. 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 I was just going to ask what's going on in your life. Oh, I was going to start talking about books. We can just do that. Let's just talk about books. By the way, um, I'm Gray. And I'm Marcy. I'm a writer. And I'm a reader. And this is... Bookins. A literary podcast. I absolutely just said boogins with a with a G. Boogins. 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 <laughs> boogie. Actually kind of like Yeah, like boogie. <laughs> like boogie. Like boogie down. Or like booger. You'll be gross. Yeah, that too. Boogie. Where we talk about bugs. <laughs> I Evil was bugs. gonna say bugs. <laughs> Same hat. Anyway. <laughs> really like bugs. <laughs> <laughs> bugs is good. Okay, so, <laughs> so here's gravy. The thing. What about books are we talking today? We're so here's the thing about books. We're talking about the thing about books is that we're talking this week about fairy tales because our theme is fairy tale inspired, not retellings, but inspired. So there's not a like this is beat for beat, uh, Cinderella, you know, kind of thing. It's it's different. Um, and this was a really cool theme for us to pick in theory because there's a lot of interesting, um, fairy tale inspired books coming out recently that we were both intrigued by. And so it was like, oh, cool. We get to get ones that we like both want to read and it's like going to be good. So, so I don't have any regrets about that. However, it was extremely difficult to come up with a segment and I did a lot of noodling. I did a lot of work. I, I made some different things. None of them seemed to be, none of them felt right. And I finally decided to just rate fairy tales based off of how gay I think they are. This is pretty on brand for you, so. Yes. Nice. I also figured it it fits because both of the books that we have chosen for this theme are LGBT. And so, like, I was kind of like, hey, hey, might as well. Um, I will say before I get into the rating that I kind of started out with the intent of doing, like, original, like, sort of the base for the fairy tales instead of, like, the Disney version and then I realized that there's not a whole lot of there's not a lot you can do with that because they are inherently so lacking in description and detail that it's like there's not really anything to get from so it's kind of a blend of what I know from these fairy tales and stories and whatever and like the Disney version so just a heads up and also these are like generic European fairy tales uh, that I just am familiar with because that felt 
the best for giving my arbitrary rating. So, are you ready? I'm ready. Let's begin. So, our scale is one to five. One is homophobic. <laughs> um, two is no gays here. Three is some gays here. Four is gays. And five is fully homosexual. So, that is a that scale traverses a, a chasm. <laughs> Yes. Yes, it does. So I have a few points, like point blank in here for that reason. So first off is Sleeping Beauty, which I have given a two. There are, there are no gays here. The original story is very gross in ways that obviously all of them are kind of gross originally because like little thing about, oh, did you know fairy tales were actually way darker in their original? Blah, blah, blah. You know, that that whole thing. Um. But this one in specific always making me it making me angry. The original Sleeping Beauty, and even in the movie, you there's an argument to be made about um, what are they? Who are they? What are they called? The little the, fairies. No, I was actually gonna say the, Merriweather? No, because they're sisters, right? Those seem kind of gay. Oh, they're sisters. Okay, never mind. Are they sisters? I do, um, we have the internet at our disposable. We do disposable. have the internet. What? No. We have the internet at our disposable. Well, I was gonna say while you're googling that, I was gonna say the. Because there's, like, the marriage between Aurora and the prince dude. And it's, like, based off of their... There's, like, the scenes with the dads. I was going to say there's an argument to be made there. But it's not potent. So that is why I've given it a two. Just no gays I also here. don't like, then, the implication that the Sleeping Beauty and Prince Philip would then be, like, quasi-step-siblings if their dads Yeah, that would be great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's that's why it's a, a two. Not actively homophobic, but no gays here, which is very sad. Did you discover if they're sisters or not? Oh, I also was thinking of Maleficent. She's a lesbian. But that's more based off of the movie based that, that it focuses on her and less on what you see in Sleeping Beauty. So that's part of why I didn't get into that too much. I'm trying to keep a semblance of this is based on the original fairy tales, even though there's influence from Disney, but it's hard. I'm sorry. I'm trying really hard to figure out Flora, Fauna, and Meriwether's relationship, but Disney.fandom.com is like full on about to crash my computer for some reason. Is it just like not loading anything? Just doesn't want. No, it's just there's so many ads, and I don't know. It's weird. You don't have ad blocker on. What's wrong with you? No, I no. It's because I'm using. Uh, I have a separate like Google user for bookends and i don't have any of my things installed on it i don't have any of the oh so you're like things. only on oh, okay yeah yeah there's no information on whether or not they are sisters i'd yep, always interpret I it as, as sisterhood but hey i mean i don't no think one's telling me it's wrong though. i don't think they're three little old ladies in a lesbian polyamorous relationship I think I, I in my mind I believe them to be more asexual, a la like yeah, nuns. Yeah. Um, but sure, nuns. if you want to, if you want to, you want to. So that that concludes my sleeping beauty rating, solid two. Cinderella is a three. Some gays here because the mice are gay, and <laughs> Jacques Jacques. Why? What's his name? <laughs> yeah, because I said so, and that's not based off of the original fairy tale. So this is where Disney's really getting to me. But the mice are gay, and also fairy godmother is a lesbian. So that's why Cinderella, some gays are here. Also, I just like the 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 heart of Cinderella being like escaping abuse. Not that that's an inherently queer experience, but it is something that queer people experience frequently. Um, 
And so I just like, even though Cinderella herself is like, ends up with a man in all of the versions. And even though there are definitely critiques to be made of all old fairy tales, I just like that part of it. So Cinderella is a three. Uh, the Little Mermaid is a solid four, solidly gay, because oh. it was literally written for Hans Christian Andersen's, a man that he was in love with, who then married a woman. And he wrote it when this was happening, when he was, the dude was getting married. Like some scholars what? think that The Little that. Mermaid. You didn't know this? So in the original no. Little Mermaid, she, you know that in the original Little Mermaid, she doesn't get with a guy at the end. She, yeah, I've heard the, um, I've heard the original. I didn't know yeah. any of the background on Hans Christian Andersen though. Yeah. He, the, the prince in the original marries a, a different woman. And so Ariel, like, is either going to die or her sisters are like, you can use this knife and kill him and you'll be able to still live with us and not have to die. And she's like, can't do it because she like loves him so much. And so she just accepts that she's going to die. Um, and, and well, that story foam. has more power when it is used as an allegory for being gay in the 19th century. It absolutely century. does. Yeah. And so, so that's why it is a solid four is because it's literally written for this guy whose name I don't even remember, but a lot of scholars think that it was supposed to be, sort of semi-autobiographical of Hans's life um and I just also mermaids are gay because I like them so that's already added um Beauty and the Beast is a 3.75 because the candlestick guy and the clock are gay yes (laughs) you knew why I don't remember the names but absolutely those guys I don't even think he's a candlestick he's like a he's like a full-on candelabra right Lumiere Lumiere. Same as Lumiere. Yes. Cogsworth and Lumiere. Uh, I know Lumiere is with the feather duster. However, beard. the point still anyway. stands. Yes. Um, absolutely. He could just so. be a bisexual French dandy. That's allowed. That is definitely allowed. And that's a very good genre, bisexual French dandy. Um, sounds like someone I would study in one of my literature classes. But yes. So 3.75. Not not a four because, a little. okay, more than a three because uh, they are so potent to me. Potent, I've been using a lot. I don't, that is not even the correct word. They're just so prominent in the Disney version because they like help Belle and stuff. And also because of the like, the looking past someone's exterior or whatever and like the growing, the, the, the slow burn of it, of the story, you know what I mean? I like the cranky with the chipper. Yes. Like combination yes. as well. It's good. And so Beauty and the Beast. I haven't read the original, but it, at least the heart of it has more nuance than a lot of other fairy tales do. So that's a 3.7. Yeah, it's got a little substance to it. Yeah. Which is why there's probably so many, which is probably why there's so many like retellings and like people are interested in that one a lot. That makes sense to me. So the next one is The Ugly Duckling, which is not a Disney movie, but you got to Got to keep you on your toes. And that's a solid four. Not for gay factor, but for trans factor. Aww, period. Yes. Sweet. Right? And so so I realized I was was sort of labeling this as like, oh, it's just about the gays. It's, a, it's about queerness and transness. The ugly duckling. And I'm sure a lot of cis gay people can also relate to the idea of being outcast as a child and then growing into yourself as you are older than you're like growing into yourself later than other people do. Because you have to like discover who you are, so I'm sure that cis gay people can relate to that. But it's especially a trans experience, I would argue, and so that's why the ugly duckling is like a four. That one's just kind of sweet. I can't picture the ugly duckling without picturing the ugly dump dumpling. No, dumpling. ugly duckling as portrayed in Lilo and Stitch. I was so about to say still that. Still comes back to that. 
it all comes back to Lilo and Stitch. It all does. So and our last one is Rapunzel, which I've given a 2.5 because the Disney's When Will My Life Begin is a gay thing, is a gay concept. And I like that movie. But other than that, not really a whole lot, especially in the like original, uh, the original version of the story. There's not a whole lot to pull out. But When Will My Life Begin? Yes. And also, I just like that that movie. So I've decided it's to add it. Point five. I love that little chameleon. I love him. The chameleon's so cute. He's so good. Ugh, he's my uh, user profile picture on our Disney family Disney Plus account. Did you choose that or did our little sister choose that? For you? I chose that. I chose that for oh. me because I love him. Pascal. You were given name. autonomy. I was not. Yes. Oh, Mine was chosen for me. Settings. <laughs> That's true. I never get on Disney Plus. I don't use it. I don't I don't watch things. Do you watch things? Because I don't. No, I only watch YouTube. And I go through phases I, of that, and I don't really yeah. watch television of any kind. I I will watch, like, one show. Okay, okay. I will watch shows with people. Like, I will watch, like, I've been yes. watching Pose with my boyfriend. And I will watch YouTube series when I'm just woken up and I'm eating my little cereal. Because I don't like to sit there in silence. And so I'll watch something on YouTube. But I don't, like, I will binge one show by myself in the dark a year, and that's it. So I don't ever get on Disney just to, like, have things on. You know what I mean? Disney Plus. And I don't get on Netflix to have things on. I have the fact that I am currently watching this show on Netflix and I haven't just binged it, but I've like spread it out over the past like month is astounding. I never do that. I don't know why I'm doing it. You are not a casual content consumer. I am not. I'm a little bit more casual with, I, I think like, I don't know. I think like with books, I'm a little bit more casual. I'll listen to audiobooks on and off. But even those, I like to just get through them real quick. Like, I don't, I, I just forget things so easy, you know? Anyway, 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 that's our segment. It, I just choked him out and spit. That's our segment. It was a short one, period. But End I learned story. about Hans Christian Andersen and his gayness, and I did not you know You did that learn about before. Hans Christian Andersen. At all. I am surprised that you didn't know that. I feel like that was, like, one of the first, like, you, you know, do you know all the other stuff about Little Mermaid, the original one? Yeah, 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 yeah. The knives in her feet and all that, yeah. The knives in her feet and all that. And the murder and the mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. Did you know yeah. that there's an alternate ending? What's the alternate ending? So in one version that he wrote, it ends with her becoming seafoam. So like the whole thing is mermaids don't have souls, but humans have souls. So mermaids will live to be 300 years old and then dissolve into seafoam, whereas like humans will obviously die much sooner than that, but go to heaven or whatever. And so in this version, it's like if he doesn't love you back you don't get a soul and so you will just neither live long nor go to heaven and she's like okay don't love that and so in one version the the sisters are like if you kill him you can get for some reason that'll give you his soul and then you can come or not give you your soul it'll it'll make it so you have like a tail again you can be with us and she's like i can't kill him and she just becomes seafoam and that's it like she doesn't get anything in the end in another version when she dissolves she becomes an air spirit and like goes up or whatever and god or someone is like hey you've done all this cool stuff and like i've seen that you're like a good person or whatever so if you do good deeds for 300 years you can win a soul and so she's like in the second version given like a kind of autonomy a little bit over what ends up happening to her and like hans even says at one point when people like would criticize that and be like oh, why don't you have a tragic ending when the rest of the story is supposed to be? Like, why is it like this feels very shoehorned and whatever? He says, like, well, it doesn't feel fair that she 
doesn't get any good things just because someone doesn't love her because she can't control that. And I just, I thought that was interesting that Hans was like, no, that's not fair to her to have her, what happens to her when she dies based off of that. That is so much more powerful with the context of his personal life. I know, right? Like it kind of means nothing otherwise. It's just kind (laughs) of a story. And then you told me that and now I have so much more respect for The Little Mermaid as a storytelling endeavor. Yeah. So I just thought that was neat. I just think it's neat. I, I just like The Little Mermaid. Also, obviously, the Disney version slaps, but its original one is really nice, too. There's also a statue of her in his like hometown, which I thought was cool. They were like, we'll put one up. You wrote this. So anyway, Marcy. Yeah. What book did we read? We read, sorry, book, it gets me. Um, we read Girl, Serpent, Thorn by Melissa Bashardust. There was and there was not, as all stories begin, a princess cursed to be poisonous to the touch. But for Soraya, who has lived her life hidden away, apart from her family, safe only in her gardens, it's not just a story. As the day of her twin brother's wedding approaches, Soraya must decide if she's willing to step outside of the shadows for the first time. Below in the dungeon is a demon who holds knowledge that she craves, the answer to her freedom. And above is a young man who isn't afraid of her, whose eyes linger not with fear, but with an understanding of who she is beneath the poison. Soraya thought she knew her place in the world, but when her choices lead to consequences she never imagined, she begins to question who she is and who she's becoming, human or demon, princess or monster. That is Girl, Serpent, Thorn by Melissa Bashardus. Yay! Yay! I want to say right off the top, it doesn't pertain to the ratings, but the cover of this book is beautiful. It is truly stunning. It looks phenomenal. The symbolism of it, once you've read the book, is awesome. Same with the title. A++ there. A++. Also, not doesn't affect the rating, but is worth mentioning is I really enjoyed the audiobook narrator. I yes. thought she was yes. excellent. I did I did the switch off method where I read it some and listened to it some, and she was really good. Like I really enjoyed the audio scape. <laughs> it was wonderful. I love when audiobook narrators will do different voices for characters, but like very distinct different voices and the voice that she does po- for um parvene was i loved i appreciated too that it wasn't hokey sometimes it can get a little hokey especially when playing voices of the op- opposite gender of the narrator oh yeah it can get like a little like oh but this Ugh. i'm the romantic interest yes a yeah. male narrator reading a woman's part can be rough that did not happen in this book because the narrator was a woman but still it was lovely and i really enjoyed the um audio production of but moving into the stuff that we're actually going to talk about not just the narrator's lovely voice and excellent accent work um gravy wavy did, did you enjoy the book what would what, you give it i did enjoy the book so for enjoyability i gave it a four i thought it was fun um I'll, i mean fun is not necessarily the word one would use to describe this book it is beautiful it is new i would say nuanced it is very unique also and very thorough yeah. in terms of mm-hmm. um there's like a part at the end of the book where the there's like notes about what parts are taken from persian mythology and et cetera, et cetera. and there's a lot of different stuff yeah. it was very cool to see all that there's and be a like, rich oh, okay. history in this book yeah um yeah i gave it a four i liked it would you give it i gave it a four too i agree i liked it a lot 
Um, I have like a certain number of critiques that we would talk about later, but I found that the critiques I had didn't really affect my enjoyability, like how much I enjoyed it while reading it. They affect how I felt about it afterwards, if that makes sense. So even though I have some stuff that I wish would be different about the book, the actual process of reading it is very pleasant and I would like highly recommend it. I'll say that off off the top because I don't want you to think that I didn't like the book from some of the stuff I'm going to say later because I did really like it. It was a lush and I always say the word lush. I mean it as like very well filled out world. Lush Um, is a good adjective for that. Yeah, it is very much fantasy and it has a very full like filled out uh, mythological uh, background. Sorry, I just dropped my little tripod and it made lots of noise. Um, It has a very filled out mythological world which I appreciate. Like Grace said, um, Bashar Deust, like at the end of the book, cites where she draws her influences from. So I think you always end up with a book that feels more whole and like holistic, I guess, when you're drawing from real world legends and cultures. Um, And that's very obvious in this book. And I really enjoyed that aspect of it. Um, The other thing I wanted to say I enjoyed is our main character, Soraya, is like a little bit of an anti-hero for at yeah. least I don't I don't know she doesn't fall thoroughly in that category because she does want to be good yeah um but she really really struggles with anger mm-hmm. and the morality of anger and like has a hard time reconciling the fact that you can be justly angry and it is not a reflection on you as a person um or it doesn't make you a bad person and I just there's a lot of I don't know it's she's the whole thing is that she was cursed to be poisonous to the touch and so she's grown up secluded and being told she's a monster and this book is at the heart of it like about her learning to move past that and learning to accept herself and not hate herself because of the way she's been raised so I really like that I like books like that that are about people I really like when books are about people accepting themselves <laughs> I don't know it's yeah it's one of those messages that every time you read you resonate with because everybody has some journey that they have to go on in their life you know yeah and it's also done really well it's helped by like even like the premise is obviously I think is inherently very interesting this idea that she's been cursed where she can't touch people and this makes her both dangerous and also incredibly lonely um and also yeah, it's just it makes done really her well. a victim too yeah she and she struggles with that a lot where characters tell her like no you have so much power and she's like i if this is power i don't want it you know like she just wants to be able to have connection with people and not feel like this shameful thing that her family has to hide away and you know kind of grappling with that so i like that this book is queer but the shame that she feels is not from being queer yes and i will also say this is kind of a joke, but also not a joke. I was texting my boyfriend about like, oh, I'm really enjoying this book that we're having to read for bookends. And he was like, oh, what's it about? And I was like, um, well, number one, it's gay. So that's part of why I enjoy it. But also it is about a girl who is cursed to be poisonous. Venomous? Which one is it? I don't know. One of them. Yeah. <laughs> and he was like, oh, that's just being gay. <laughs> and I was like, interesting. Kind of a joke, but also not this idea of growing up feeling like a monster and being outcast and not being able to make connections with people because of the way that you feel like you are a danger to other people and have you know what I mean like hmm. yeah I was gonna say and she's obviously a like woman but it reminds me of when I've read things by queer 
not necessarily authors, but from queer perspectives about um, how, and I, I'm saying this because I want you to speak on it because this is more your experience than mine. Yeah. Um, but the uh, way that queer platonic affection, like physical affection, has been portrayed in the media as predatory against straight men. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And and I, w- I would say this is like also a thing. I'm not a lesbian by any means, but I, <laughs> I would say this is also a thing that especially trans women trans lesbians and also cis lesbians experience of like being predatory towards these people and the specific gender dynamics and being told and it's also a trans thing so it's not just a gay thing but like being told that you are a monster and that you are going that any any feeling any positive feeling you express is predatory in some way somehow it's manipulative especially with trans people i think Mm -hmm. we get told a lot that like oh you're lying if you aren't honest, but also if you are honest, we're going to hurt you, you know, like this. Well, it's idea a whole of... bathroom argument, too. Exactly. That trans women in particular are just men preying on cis women. Yeah. And so then there becomes a lot of growing up internalized shame around that. And I know also like going back to like gay men, like for me, I felt a lot not to be too personal here, but like this kind of weird internalized. Am I destined to become a predator? Because those are the only kinds of gay men you saw for a long time and like in the news and in the media and whatever and also even within our own community like this this unhealthy acceptance of predatory relationships and the way that that just gets like accepted and so then people try to speak out on it and it accidentally becomes this like the stereotype about gay men being predators and so then feeling like my gayness is the problem and not whatever bad behavior is happening you know not that those people are the problem but it is their gayness that is the problem yes 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 and so feeling like so am i inherently like this and obviously like logically i know that's not true but that is a feeling that i'm sure a lot of other gay people have experienced well i've talked about that for a long time just trying to (laughs) say that interesting it's okay (laughs) and i think it's central to the book and like i said i like that she kind of went through all of that but let the gay part of Soraya not be a point of turmoil for her yeah because and especially because like we just talked about it it definitely still came across as a queer narrative even without there having to be homophobia in the mix you know so it was still relatable without having to re-experience in the kind of way some trauma you know and I think that was a really interesting choice and a smart choice not that books that do have scenes of blatant homophobia are bad or anything like that. It's not true at all. But it is interesting when you see books that make the active decision to not have that be a point of contention and a point of turmoil. So it reminds me of um, the defenders. So when I've heard critiques before of people being like, this is just the best example I can think of. When people critique the fact that there are very few people of color in Disney movies and you hear people defending Disney blindly, for the most part, um, saying, well, but it was set in a time period where, like, people of color wouldn't have been royalty or they wouldn't have been in the same kind of social circles the characters in the movie are coming from. Um, and my response to that has always been, yeah, but the whole thing's fictional, so why does it matter? Mm-hmm. And people will say, oh, well, that'll take away from it in some way. And I think this is a great example of how representation never takes away from a story. Definitely. Like, she totally could have especially considering she was working off of a time period. Like, this is not historical fiction by any means. Right. But she's but working like off of a time period with real sources. Yeah. yeah. She could have 
made her family be super homophobic but she chose not to and did it take away from the believability of the story not at all all it did was mean that she could explore those themes in a way that did not feel like in a way that i think made the book feel a little bit more i don't know i liked it it was good it it didn't make it about her gayness she just got to be a girl who was in love with a girl but was also going through things that were very familiar like you said so yeah Good on you, Basher Dust. So that's enjoyability. Do you have anything else to say about enjoyability? We have a lot of other things to go through. We do. I don't know. I guess <laughs> I will, I'll say this here since there's not really anywhere else I like to put it. Um, I loved Harvin A. I thought all of the, the characters were really interesting. Yes, really, I liked them But all. I also really liked Harvin A. Yeah, I don't know. The character's really cool. That's it. We can move on. <laughs> okay, so balance. Um, balance is where I docked points. Um as previously, as previously stated, the things that I docked points from, for the most part, didn't really influence my active enjoyability, and balance, I think, is the biggest one. Um, so for balance, I gave it a 2.5, which feels a little harsh considering how much I liked the book, but I thought this book could have been twice as long or split into two books. I thought yes. that it went a little too fast like I think it just crammed a lot in which I like books that don't draw things out for the sake of drawing things out like I think it was nice that it had a quick pace but I just I could have gotten more like I was very happy to be in the world I really liked the characters I would have liked to get more from it um and I was kind of debating this for a while today and yesterday as I was thinking about my ratings should I dock it because I want more or does that mean that I liked it a lot and therefore points shouldn't be docked Hmm. um but I was thinking about um memorability and I'll I can't really talk about these two separate for this reason um I was thinking about memorability and how even two or three days later after I finished it I can't remember a lot of concrete events that happened in the book and I think it's because of the balance I think it's because it went a little too fast and it was a little bit of information overload in terms of like the timeline and sequence of events for me um yeah so I, I'm docking a little bit for balance in a book that I otherwise really enjoyed because it just felt a little fast like I, I want to savor it a little bit um I also have that critique but I gave balance a three question mark question mark question mark question mark um with the caveat that you know I when I was reading it I was like oh what we're only halfway through the book what like there were definitely I I definitely think that it could have slowed down and we could have lingered more on what was happening and especially on like the relationships between yes um yes not even just between the love interest and the main character but also like with the family just having yeah. having more of it because it's not That's that i was, was like like because when i was reading it and i didn't necessarily feel like oh i'm missing some vital piece of information but i also did want more which is why i'm kind of not sure if i should dock points or not because i'm also thinking about was it I mean, I don't have the same, I don't, I'm not having the same issue with memorability personally, which is odd because I usually do. <laughs> um, but so for me, it was less like this affected my reading experience and more just it was different than usual. And I don't know yet if that is a bad thing or if I'm just not used to it. Like, I don't know if maybe I'm just used to this have like needing to be longer or split up in two books. Yeah. Uh, like, and that's, partially why I really debated because yeah 
series are so in vogue right now. Mm-hmm. Like, there are so few standalone fantasy novels that, like, part of me wants to just be like, no, this is fine. We can just have yeah. single fantasy books and they can be awesome and have very amazing worlds and say important things and they don't have to be part of a series. Um, but also I wanted more. <laughs> <laughs> I know half of me is like, good on you for knowing when to end the story and like what to do. But also I do want more. <laughs> like I do think that there was a way to have made it more. But also if, I don't know. Yeah. You know, I'm so... not even saying make it two books. I'm saying we could have just had, it's not a long book. Yeah, no, like, it is. We could have just had a longer single book yeah. that explored, I agree, the family relationships, particularly between Soraya and her mother. Mm-hmm. I, I think we could have explored that more. I think we could have lingered a little bit more on some of her turmoil with uh, what is the male love interest. Okay. Um, <laughs> like, we could have lingered a little bit more on some of the, like, relationships yeah. and the way that she navigates them. Like, she didn't have to turn so quickly for or against someone. There could have been a little bit more... A little more exploration there. Yeah, I agree. So hesitant three, three with several question marks for that one. What'd you give for expectations? I gave it, I struggle, I struggle with this rating. I still don't really know. You, you go first because I'm between, I'm between. I gave it a 3.5 because I was kind of expecting what I got, but a little bit more. I think the only thing I was surprised by was like how much I liked Parvene and some of the, um, folklore that it drew from largely because i am just not familiar with persian folklore um but i was expecting it to be a good book the way that i heard people talk about it i knew that it was going to be a good book and so that's why the the rating isn't super high it's another one of those things where expectation can kind of depending on what your expectations are it can it's a fluid rating so i still struggle um i think i'm also going to give it a 3.5 because i had high expectations for it i knew people were talking about it i was really excited about it i thought it met those expectations and then just a little bit so i'm just gonna i'm just gonna stop thinking about it i'm gonna cut it off there 3.5 <laughs> okay writing style i gave it a four i thought oh yay i thought the writing was very beautiful um i thought it was really interesting i just i liked it a lot i liked being in soraya's head I liked the descriptions of really everything. I don't know. I just liked it a lot. I think it's another one of those books where it has a formal tone without being um, unapproachable. And I really liked that. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, yes, definitely. And I like Soraya's voice a lot. Um, and that we we really got to see her internal struggle. And I liked that. That was very good. Um, that was very good. It's just good storytelling. It's interesting. It has you kind of in its little little clutches the whole time. Um, and I think Basher Deuce did a really good job with creating a book that is really compelling, like from start to end, and that does it does still feel like a fairy tale. Like it feels like a legend that is being told in front of you. Um, I think, like really I said, does. because it's because it's rooted, I think, in legitimate folklore. Um, and has actual cultural like levity to it, even if it's a combination of different cultures at different times. Um, it gives it an authenticity that I thought was really lovely to read. I do wonder if some of the reason things were happening so quickly and it wasn't long has to do with the fairy tale aspect of it, because you know traditionally fairy tales are really short. So I, maybe that is part of the reasoning behind not really lingering too much on things like trying to find a balance between keeping 
the tone of a fairy tale of like, okay, this action happened and this action happened and this action happened, while also making it an interesting read for modern young adult audiences. That's just a thought. No, that's a good thought, I think, because as much as I want more, I think you're right. It would lose that fairy tale like snappiness Um, because fairy tales, you don't get a lot of lingering, sad, going through like complex relationships. It's just a lot of actions. Yeah. um, Back to back. So fairy tales, that's a fair point. Interiority. And this book didn't lack interiority, but it also so so i so it might have just been that attempt at balancing it which in that case i think it did a good job do i still want more yes because i love the characters but maybe also that just speaks to how good of a writer melissa bashadust is you know yeah, like that's why i had a hard time with yeah writing. yeah anyway <laughs> i i ultimately only docked points because it affect how yeah. i was able to follow the story i know that makes sense um, because otherwise it would just be me selfishly wanting more when mm-hmm. you're correct. If the goal of the book is to make sure it maintains a fairy tale aspect to it, then quicker, snappier makes sense. Yeah. And I also think that one is obviously every rating that we get is going to be subjective. But I feel like that one in specific is probably pretty reader to reader. I'm sure there are readers that were like, no, don't give me more. That was perfect. You know what I mean? So Anyway. And I'm a big proponent of kill it before it dies. I think yes, that you are. we as a society are bad at letting things end appropriately. We like to let things like drag on forever and ever. We don't know. We like to, to beat some dead stuff. horses. You know? We do. And so I have a lot of respect for authors and screenwriters and directors and whatever that have the ability to say no to powers that be that would have them sucking more content out of them um and instead are like no it's time for this to end this is the plan it's going to end it's going to be appropriate it's going to feel right yeah um so i do really respect that yeah what is our next rating i forgot already uh memorability okay Um, or is it believability no memorability okay i gave it four um i didn't have that many issues with I, i read it like a hot minute ago and I haven't had many issues with remembering scenes I have had issues with remembering the main male love interest's name and some of the background characters names um but I have that issue with almost anything I read so that's not specific to this book I'm just bad at names but I I have actually retained a lot more I think of the scenes the specific actions that are happening than normal maybe some of that can be attributed to the fact that I was both reading it like physically and also listening to the audiobook. So maybe it just stuck better. Um, but yeah, I think I'm going to remember this. And also for like the how good it was and for the rich exploration of queerness without having there be homophobia and for the all of it, you know. So I gave it a four. I gave it a three because of what I said about balance. Unfortunately, yeah, that makes it twice because those two things are go together intertwined um i think i'm gonna remember for a long time like i think when i see this book cover and when i see melissa bashardu's name i'm gonna be like that was an excellent book and i want to read whatever she comes out with next mm-hmm. um and i'm gonna remember the things we discussed about the gayness and about how beautiful the world it was and i'm gonna remember these big vague things about it i i'm not gonna remember any specifics because mm-hmm. i just feel like it i was just being like inundated with stuff yeah. like <laughs> I, for the portion of the book that I listened to, because it was about 50-50 split between what I listened to and what I physically read, um, and I didn't do them at the same time. I, like, switched off. Um, For the portion that I listened to, listened? What? No, listened to. I actually listened at a slower speed than what I would usually listen to because I was feeling like when I sped it up, too much was happening. I was missing stuff. So I don't know what that's about. I feel like Hmm. I don't 
usually have that problem keeping up with books. I'm a pretty quick reader. Um, I like, I don't know, I read a lot. My reading comprehension is, I feel like above average, but I was just for some reason feeling a little lost at moments. And Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily think it was her fault. I just like, I don't know. So I'm giving it a three um, because I think I am really going to remember the book and that I really liked it and all these things about it. But I think I'm going to struggle with specifics. Yeah. Yeah. Well, for believability, I'm actually thinking about changing my rating for believability because I have it written down as a three because I didn't have any like concrete opinions either way. But now that I'm thinking about it, I kind of want to make it a four. So I don't know. What, what did you give it? Maybe you're, you can sway me. I gave it a four. I was also between a three and a four. Um, okay. With So like the reason I was between it was three is average. Three is I believed it. And at first I was like, yeah, I just I believed it. It was good. There was no like giant plot holes it was a fairy tale it felt like a fairy tale the world had rules it followed those rules great um i think i ultimately decided to give it a four because of what i mentioned previously about um, the authenticity of the lore in the book Mm -hmm. um and how like well built i felt the world was um and well researched and just sort of all of that and i say research Bashardu says in the book that she, like at the office note at the end, that this was a really, like this was a way for her to explore her own culture. Mm-hmm. So I don't mean like she stole it from anywhere. No, I no, mean absolutely like, not. Like I said, it has a depth and authenticity to it because it was so rooted in a culture. And mm-hmm. so because of that, I decided to actually change her rating to a four because I think it made it feel more real. And even though it's like sort of a made up fairy tale, it really did feel like something that would be like (laughs) in a book of fairy tales. Like I could see an abbreviated illustrated version of this existing and being told to children. Um, And I mean that in a good way. Like I think it adds to like that was the point. (laughs) So because of that, I gave it a four. You've convinced me. I'm giving it a four. You've done it. You've swayed my opinion. So what does that bring your total to? That brings my total to a 3.75, which feels right to me, almost a four. I will give it a four on Goodreads, um, above average, a good book. I would yeah. recommend it. Beautiful cover. My total is a 3.5, so that also, I mean, that feels, those are pretty close. So yeah, that means our- 3.625 for our yeah. overall total. So that feels right. It's yeah. It was a good book. I would recommend it. I mean, if you like fantasy- I would recommend this book. If you don't like fantasy, maybe not. I don't know. Maybe it's, maybe it's a quick read. I think it's it really pushable for a fantasy because you're not committing. Because this is what I think turns a lot of people off from fantasy. You're not committing to a six book series where every book is 700 pages. <laughs> yeah. Hey, whenever I see, listen, I don't read fantasy the way that you do. I have been reading more fantasy lately though. And I realized like maybe I liked it all, like really liked it all along. And I just convinced myself I didn't, whatever. But when I see a book that is like 700 pages long, my initial thought is always, why? What? Why? <laughs> Could you not have cut it anymore? Did it have to no, be this long? So much happens. <laughs> it, to me, who's just over here, right? My little contemporary whatever. I'm like, huh? What do you have to do? But of course, I have world building, Gray. World know, building. It's, it's all the world building. So yeah, I definitely, this is an approachable fantasy um it's it's a good fantasy it's it's good for people who already like fantasy it is also good for people who are intimidated by most fantasy books and it's also really good for people who really like fairy tales and who have that kind of not just nostalgia but like deep-rooted love yeah like i don't know i think i think that's good i think what you said about you can definitely see it as 
an abbreviated version of it in the kids collection of fairy tales that's very true about it so yeah yeah it's a good book it was a good book it was I a good book. book it's beautiful it's something that like i want to have on display like yeah i want this book casually sitting on my like coffee table or bedside table and just sitting there adding a nice little touch to my decor because it's beautiful touch. <laughs> so beautiful very good marketing I really like the title too. I have a lot of feelings about book titles. I don't always say them because they don't matter. Like they don't matter no, tell me to them. the quality of the book. Um, I just don't like book titles that are too hokey pokey. Um, Do you have any examples? Um, or ones that feel too like, I don't know, too dramatic. Like they don't need to be that dramatic. Like I'm looking at readers also enjoyed right now on Goodreads where it's suggested. Mm-hmm. And like this one's like Forest of Souls, Shaman Born number one. And like oh, I know exactly what book you're miracles. talking about. I love the cover for that one. It's pretty, yeah. It's a beautiful like, cover. I, I don't know what it is. I just, I'm, like I weird. have a lot of feelings about um, book titles and book mm-hmm. covers. And I think this one's really good, like both title and cover wise. Yeah. And I don't not read a book because it has a crappy title or anything. But when it does have a good one, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I am about covers where I'm like, if I've heard good things about it, I'll read it even if the cover is ugly. But mm-hmm. if the cover is beautiful, I'll read it even if I haven't necessarily heard good things about it. Which is, like, weird because the cover doesn't have n- really anything to do with the quality because the authors don't control what their covers look like. Like, they have very little creative control over that kind of thing. Yeah, because so, covers come down to being a marketing thing. Yeah. It's not in the author's wheelhouse to choose that. Yeah. And yet it is so effective like a good cover is so effective. It's crazy. It's crazy. Crazy cupcakes. Crazy. What is? No. What's that from? I don't know. And I didn't like it, so I just said no. <laughs> <laughs> so sorry. Speaking of ugly covers, Marcy, what is our plan? What's our strat? What do you mean? What's the fun thing that we have coming up? Ah! <laughs> <laughs> How did you forget? I'm sorry. I'm sorry I screamed. I forgot completely. I thought you were talking about next week's book. And I was like, no, the cover's beautiful. No, the cover's for that beautiful book. for that one. What are you talking about? No. Oh, we have a special episode coming out. A special edition bonus episode. We are reviewing Midnight Sun by Stephanie Meyer. Um, and I've never read a Twilight book. Gray has never read a Twilight book. I read all of them but have not read any of them since middle school. I am very excited. Stephanie Meyer does not deserve any more of my money, but I will give it to her anyway to be part of this cultural moment. And I'm obviously very thrilled about this. So you're going to be getting this episode that we're currently recording on Monday, August 3rd, the day before that book launches. We are going to be releasing our Midnight Sun review the following Monday in between normal episodes. So I'm going to have to read so many words. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of words read. Um, (laughs) (laughs) We're going to be reviewing it there's not going to be any segment it is probably just going to be like 30 minutes probably an hour of us exclusively talking about making fun of and critiquing midnight sun it will not be a spoiler free episode there will Um, definitely be spoilers there will be spoilers we are going to have in the description like very obvious that it's a spoiler episode also it's just twilight from edward's perspective so like technically there are no spoilers is it now Um, is it the whole series from his perspective or the first book? I think, I think it's just the first book. I okay, because if it was the whole series, that'd be it. a little too God, much. No. The cover Good for Lord. that book is a pomegranate. I it's hate so it. Ugly. It's so ugly. It is so 2004. They just stuck with it. And you know what? I actually respect them for it. It's fine. 
it fits everything else. They are releasing it at a prime moment in the midst of the Twilight Renaissance. Like they could not be timing it better. And I'm very excited to read it. <laughs> was is this this is also the book where some of it was like leaked on the internet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think it was leaked. I looked into it further and she actually posted as like a I think a promotional tactic, a chapter of it. Um, but then ended up just putting the project off for a long time for some reason. Mm. And it, and mm. We can talk about that. Yeah, in okay. the next episode about yeah. the history of Midnight Sun and how it came to be and why in the year of our Lord 2020, we are getting a new Twilight book. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Yes. So, so that'll be next yeah. Monday. Yeah. Yeah. Get ready. Get Very excited. Exciting. You super don't have excited. to know anything about Twilight to listen no. because I certainly don't know anything about Twilight and I'm going to be reading it. So I, I, okay, I did watch the first two movies. So I technically do know some things about Twilight. Have you not but, seen the last two movies? Not even a little bit. Also, aren't right. there like five movies? No, there's four. Really? Wait, there's five. No? Wait. Twilight, New Moon, Eclipse, Breaking Dawn. Shoot, there's five. Okay, yeah. There's five. Because they no. split the last, mo- new- the last movie into two because that was in the midst of when Harry Potter did that. And then every other book series thought they had to do it too. Yeah. And it was and like, no, totally it's okay. It. We don't have to. Totally did not. It's fine. Super didn't need to. Uh, yeah, no, I haven't watched the, the whole series. I only watched the first two because I watched the first one because my friends were like, obviously you have to watch this and then we watched the second one because they were like this movie doesn't have a plot and it's very very funny so you just need to watch to experience it but after that it's like too much so we didn't watch any ones after that um that was also a year ago and i watched them in like two days so i don't have a whole lot of memory about what happens but whatever i haven't watched whatever since high school in which my friends and i did like a 24-hour marathon where we stayed up like all night watching all but the last movie we got up the next morning to watch the final movie oh my god and we oh yeah we did this it was so much fun we had a great time it was like the morning we were about to sit down and eat breakfast and watch the last movie and we <laughs> this is my favorite stories we opened up the dvd because this was like dvd time oh, and like no. my, my friends had all brought like each of us had been responsible for bringing a different one and so we opened up this dvd and <laughs> inside it's not breaking down part two but Shrek. <gasps> oh no! Shrek. <laughs> Why so, was Shrek there? So did you uh, just watch Shrek? No, I wish oh. not. So I think it was that situation where there's a DVD in the DVD player. Yeah. And you don't know where its case is, so you take so you that out, put the, put the other DVD yeah. in, and you just play that musical chairs game for a Absolutely. long time. Um, but it was just like of all the movies to have accidentally been that DVD case was Shrek. It had to be Shrek. If it wasn't Shrek, this wouldn't have been a good story. You know what <laughs> no, I mean? No, it would just feel like oh, that's kind of disappointing. But it was. Shrek. It Shrek so it was really good um the girl who owned the dvd ended up having to go home and get it and then come back um so but you did get to watch, watch it breaking down part two yeah nice, nice. yes yeah. despite shrek trying to interfere shrek wanted to save you so bad <laughs> he wanted to so bad we cannot be stopped by shrek you cannot so that is next monday the monday after that we're we will return to normal theming mm-hmm. things with cinderella is dead by kaylin oh. Bayron. Which I'm very excited um, to read. Yeah, I'm actually, this is a rare case where I have already started reading the book before we even chose it because I received an arc. Um, however, then we decided, wait, this fits the theme. Let's read it. So I haven't finished it yet. So don't worry. I'm not, I'm going to be, I'm going to be able to remember the things when we record it. Um, but yeah, I'm very excited to talk about it and to finish reading it, to get my own physical copy. I'm so. satisfied by the fact that Twilight also fits our fairy tale theme. Yeah. Because, because vamp- are vampires fairy tales part of fairy? Uh, I mean, they're yeah, folklore, right? I think they are. They're definitely part of fairy tales. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're they were villains. I think in oh yeah fairy tales. Yeah. So it, it fits folklore. It's not good with it. Fairy it's tales are folklore. Yeah. yeah. 
not all, not all folklore or fairy tales, but all fairy tales are folklore. It's fine. Yeah, I think that that makes sense. It's so. fine. So that is our plan for the month yeah. of August. We have a lot going on. This is not the best timing. I move on Saturday and start medical. And I start school. medical school on Monday. But yeah, <laughs> we'll do it. It'll be fine. It'll be okay. I believe in you. Thank you. You're welcome. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. So pick up Cinderella is Dead. Pick up Girl, Serpent, Thorn if you haven't already read it. I don't, I mean, I don't know if I recommend picking up Midnight Sun because I don't think you need, you're going to have to read it to hang out with us next week. Mm-mm, no, I so think don't. you will be fine just to listen. I think it'll yeah. be fun to listen to. Like, I'm excited about it. Yeah. So I have a lot of thoughts and feelings about Twilight. I'm very excited to hear all of them. So. So, well, thank you for listening to this episode. We had Thanks. a great time. Thanks. Check out our, our, our web suit. Yeah. Our web suit at bookinsiblings.com. Not really. There's a K there, not a G. Yeah. Um, also, Twitter, bookinsiblings, at bookinsiblings. Yeah. Hang out with us. Yeah. We Be would uh, love you to join us on our super fun special bonus episode. So, there will Yay. be spoilers. <laughs> All right. Bye. 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 Bye.